What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Blacko! Hey, behaves! Back back from Hawaii. I, I, You know, I was going to say you're looking tan, but I don't know. You got, I think you already had some of that color before you went. You like yeah, pre, you, you know, like I, well, I noticed that the uh, the clouds came out probably the last three or four days, so I didn't get as much sun as I did originally. And uh, I also got lucky that I didn't. Yeah, you've probably been doing this on flights. You can now down download stuff on Netflix. Yeah, you know, for flights. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a game changer. That uh, luckily the Irishman is seven hours long, and it just took my entire flight. <laughs> so I haven't watched it yet. I, this weekend, I think hopefully, what's your is that a watch or no watch? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a watch. I mean I'm a, I, like many one love Goodfellas, love Casino, love you know Pesci, Pacino, De Niro. It's listen, they're 90 years old, so yeah, the CGI you can kind of tell. I mean I could tell on my iPad. I'm sure you could tell on a television. Not it doesn't ruin it, but you know what's going on. <clears throat> I, you know people complaining like it's not Goodfellas. No shit. I mean Goodfellas came out. 30 years ago when they were old. Like, it's, it's very entertaining. It's good. You mean people, Ray Romano's in it. Just that all... it's not as good as Goodfellas? Is that what yeah, you're... they're like, it's not Goodfellas or Casino. Yeah, guys, we know that. I, I knew that diving into this thing. But it's Scorsese with all these dudes and a ton of cash. Like, one knock is there's some unrealistic, like, ass-kicking scenes from De Niro when you know it's like he's 80 years old. Mm. And just his, but it's just it is what it is. It's, what are we supposed to do? Not cast De Niro? Yeah, I mean, part of the whole deal was casting him. My my, my thing was, it kind of hit me flying home. Why would Netflix give Scorsese 125 million? And I came up with two theories. One, the people that run Netflix, like Reed Hastings, loves fucking Goodfellas and those shows, and just wants a piece of that on his platform. So it was like an ego play by him. Or two, and this is where I kind of lean, the majority of Netflix subscribers are probably under between 30 and 50, at least domestically. It's obviously a worldwide product. So maybe they want to up 
the older people subscribing to Netflix. Because you'd say the first people cord cutting are younger people, not like my parents, who probably like Goodfellas or some of those mob shows are their favorite. You get some of those people just based on this movie alone to subscribe to watch these guys. That, that was my theory. Yeah, I think another the, the other thing that factors in is you, you make a big-time Hollywood blockbuster, release it in theaters, now it can win the major awards that, like, air quotes, films win. And, I mean, that would be, I would think, a major... Not, I'm not going to say a, a marketing advantage for Netflix. People know who you are, but... Um, You're saying to win awards and stuff and that you only get to win on Oscars? Yeah, to, I, like, I don't think Netflix movies win Oscars. Like, I think they have to no, be, like, films. So, but I think now, because they did it for a month in theaters, I think now it's eligible for a lot of those major motion picture awards. It's going. This movie's going to go to theaters. It started in. Th- it was in theaters for a month only before it hit Netflix. I didn't know that. I just assumed that yeah. it was only Netflix. No, because it came out like a. It came out like uh, a month before. Maybe it came out Netflix like November twenty first or something. In selected theaters. Yeah. So you could see it in like. I think Scorsese came to the Bay Area. I think he was at a theater in San Francisco, like presenting gotcha. the film. But it was in New York. You know, it was like around. Well, that was another thing that hit me. Isn't it kind of inevitable that are theaters around in 20 years? I mean, 20 kind of feels strong. Yeah, I don't think that's 10? a new... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I mean, I, I think they're donezo, guy. And you could feel it now when you're I mean, like, you Netflix just drive around. All this, there's less of them. Well, there's a lot less of them. And now Netflix and all these Amazons and all the Hulus have all this money. They, it's like... Why don't they just fund these movies, right? Well, it's why they've been like preparing. They've been trying to prepare for this for years, right? I think it's why the VR big screen stuff matters to them. Maybe not VR, but like all the IMAX experience. And then you see all the theaters that are trying to, you know, give you a big old big old lounge chair, and they give you beer and they give you food, but they don't give it to you. You have to pay nine dollars for it. That's a yeah. disadvantage. I- I've seen two movies in 2019. One I attended, went to the theaters, a little solo mission over the summer. I was bored, and this. And I thought they were both fantastic. This one and obviously the the Brad Pitt, Leo, Once Upon a Time in L.A. But, they, I mean, think of what it takes you to, like, get excited for this Irishman with superstars. And obviously that Once Upon a Hollywood movie. I mean, two biggest actors, you know, probably beside, like, Tom Hanks and Denzel over the last 30 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's you got to get big-time, big-time movie stars to fucking get people's interest in 2019. Just to have a chance, you know? Yeah, I mean, but so this, this a represents long. a big, but this just kind of represents a shot at the at the traditional theater industry, I think. Well, good. I, I love change. In terms of like going to the movie, th- I, I just haven't gone to the movie theater that much over the last probably decade, just because there's not as many good movies being made because people aren't spending the money because I think the companies, you know, the studios know that Scorsese got 125 million dollars to do this. When you when you hear about most non like Marvel movies. It's hard to get like fifty million dollars. The, the money doesn't exist anymore. The old school way. It's only Netflix and Amazon. They're they're the ones with all the cash now. Changes are coming. I mean, change already happened, but it's like you can really kind of feel it. Why, if the, if Netflix has a lot of success doing this, once upon a Holly, time in Hollywood in three years, like when's Leo's first Netflix only movie? Couple years. Yeah, that's coming. I mean, Sandler already did it. He's been doing it fucking forever, it feels like. But I, And I wonder if you would see, like, shorter-run theater, like, one-month theater runs for films, and then they get released on Netflix. See, but my, my thing there is, like, what... 
if you know what's coming to Netflix and we're all paying for it, why wouldn't you just wait? Yeah, I mean, I, that's you that's couldn't what I'm have gotten like, the It's got to be like a. It's. I considered seeing it in theaters. Honestly, I probably would have if I had time. Because uh, I like it sometimes, depending on the film. I'm film. with you. Um, but it's got to be more of a boutique uh, type deal. But I think totally it's also agree. until Netflix has 100% subscription rates, uh, it's probably a great way to continue to drive people to the. You go to a theater and realize, wait, this is going to be for free on Netflix. I could pay half of what I paid to be here tonight for a month of Netflix. Game changer. You can run a big Netflix ad produced by Netflix right at the beginning in the theater. Like, oh, God, I hope nobody noticed that. Game changer. But um, but, but what I would say is like what already – like the Netflix experience already exists for me in a positive way. I think probably we would ha- Netflix would have to raise the subscriptions, right? I think they have been every be- year. Like well, I know. They'll keep going up. Because what what it, what gets eliminated then is like your pay. But do you pay for Netflix, or you guys steal it from a family member? Uh, yeah, I get it from my parents. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to Reed Hastings cutting guys like you. Actually, I don't even own any more stocks, so I don't really care anymore. I sold because it started tanking, but it's actually been working its way back up. I got nervous. Uh, John, it's that time of year. Time to share smiles and good times with friends and family. Maybe a family trip to the movie theater. Of course, exchange gifts. How about you give yourself a gift? The gift of self-confidence. And how do you get it? By having straighter, brighter teeth with the help of Candid. Love our friends at CandidCO.com slash ham. Promo code ham. Get yourself $75 off. But here's the thing, guy. The Candid's aligners, they help straighten your teeth faster and cheaper than traditional uh, wire braces. I had those way back in the day. They were miserable. Treatment just takes six months on average and costs 65% less. You see a lot more older people, you know, people past probably 20, 30 years old wearing braces. Now, you don't have to do that anymore. Experienced orthodontists, you just go all through the internet, who is licensed in your state, creates a custom treatment plan. They show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look once you're done. Isn't that awesome? A little before, a little after. Yeah. Candid's aligners are comfortable, removable, and here's the key, guy, completely Invisible, like a ghost. I know a couple people that have them, but you really don't notice them unless you're kind of unless they show them to you or they tell you about them or you're you're looking for them. In this season of giving, Candid donates twenty five dollars with each aligner purchase to Smile Train, who brings safe, one hundred percent free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. So give yourself the gift of Candid. Go to CandidCO.com slash ham and use ham. To get $75 off, that's CandidCO.com slash ham, promo code ham, for $75 off. Guys, you can't beat it. Time to give gifts. Christmas, Hanukkah, you name it. Gifts are to be given and straighten your teeth with CandidCO.com slash ham, promo code ham. There you go. I mean, this is you could you, you get the Candid and then you get the Untuck It shirt, John, and oh. you are just walking into holiday parties looking like a oh. G. I mean, you talk about the right fit. You get your teeth right, then you get your shirt right. And that's what Untuckit will help you do. I, I know me and you both, Guy, wore Untuckets on Thanksgiving. That, that's right. a power play. You know, it's a day where everyone's kind of, you know, before the food comes out, kind of checking everyone's outfit out. And we're like, where'd you get this shirt? I'm like, Untuck it. You see the little uh, thing on the bottom of the shirt, a nice, flag, a nice yeah. collared shirt. It's, it's awesome. Again, Untuckit.com, promo code, as always, promo code HAM. 20% off. They got button-ups. 
They got collared shirts. They got a million things. Obviously, they got a ton of deals going on right now and different options for the holidays. Get yourself a gift. You know, if you're a guy listening, you want to get yourself a gift. We often do that. Just a little present to yourself. Tell your tell your wife, tell your girlfriend, tell your mom of the gifts that you want. Just go to untuckit.com, promo code HAM, promo code HAM, 20% off, guy. How do you beat it? Yeah, you material's great, ton of great different styles, designs. Uh, browse online, see what you want. Or you can, they got a bunch of brick-and-mortar stores, 50 of them uh, nationwide, one in San Francisco, untuckit.com. Promo code applies in-store, too. So if you want to just tell them HAM when you're in there, that works. Save 20% on that first order when you use HAM at checkout. At untuckit.com. Hard to beat, guy. Hard to beat. All right. Uh, you won't be able to go to a uh, ni- the Niners bar in Hawaii for a 10 a.m. kickoff. Like, I guess it would have been an 8 a.m. kickoff Hawaii time this week. It'll be another 8 a.m. kickoff for the uh, Bradenton uh, 49ers against the Saints this week. And uh, I don't – if they win and the Rams lose or tie and the Rams are playing Seattle – doesn't this game deserve to be at 1 o'clock kickoff, guys? For the second week in a row. I mean, come on, guys. But if the Niners win and the Rams lose or tie, the Niners are in the playoffs. So that's one hand. It's like, ah, they're right there. The other hand is like, yeah, but they still might end up playing some 8-8 eight and eight NFC East team on the road after what we saw Monday night. You tweeted, I've seen this Seahawks game a million times before. They end up winning. I saw somebody else from Seattle tweeted, like, the Seahawks never play normal games. That Minnesota team they beat on Monday night was pretty good. They're terrifying. New Orleans is terrifying. Uh, I don't know if there's odds on this at my bookie right now, but the odds feel like they are. we are barreling towards the 49ers being the wild card team at whatever their record will end up being. You know what's crazy really quick just on the schedule, pulling up this on Sunday's games? Hmm. Fox only has one afternoon game. Now, the, the maybe it's because the game of the day is Chiefs-Patriots, like the national game of the week. Romo, Nance, Chiefs, Patriots. That's pretty fucking unreal. The Fox game, though, in the afternoon is Chargers-Jaguars. Now, there there has to be rules. I know people tweeted at me, you can't move a 10 a.m. kickoff. It's kind of stuck there unless it gets flexed to the night game. But, yeah, I, I feel like we all lose. I, I just, if you had to guess right now Seattle's record, what would you guess? I mean, to me, they lose one more game, potentially the Niner game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, just it just kind of feels like they got the mojo. Them and the Ravens. Now, when I watch the Ravens, I go, they're better. Like they got top to bottom better players. I I, I say this all the time, and people, I, I'm not. This is not a shot. It's actually a compliment. I I think this Seattle team's one of the least talented ten and two teams probably ever. Because you remove Russell Wilson, who it's MVP of the league, and you got the MVP quarterback. That's all that matters. But just go around their roster. Like, Clowney's their, you know, Bobby Wagner, who's still solid, but he's not, like, the cream of the crop quite anymore. K.J. Wright's getting a little longer in the tooth. People talk about, like, Clowney, yeah, he flashes, but let's not act like he's Khalil Mack or J.J. Watt in his prime. If anything, he's been kind of viewed as an underachiever. He just got dealt guy for a third-round pick. Oh, I thought that was stupid, but still, like, that's kind of shows you it's not like teams were lined up to give ones for the guy. And you look at their offense, like, I love Chris Carson. He's not a top six or seven running back in the league. I love DK Metcalf, but he's a rookie who runs a couple routes, and he does it well. Their best offensive weapon is, like, a 5'7 wide receiver, who I, Tyler Lockett's a really good player, but 
This is not 2013 Seattle with just all pros littered everywhere. You know, like how many pro bowlers are they going to have? Obviously, Russ. Then, I, you know, Bobby Wagner, just because he's kind of grandfathered in. Like, Clowney's probably a borderline guy. Like, that's that might be it, guy. Yeah. So, but, like, it's a compliment to the quarterback, to the coaching staff, to the to the toughness of the team. And it's also, like, the Niners, we kind of talked before the podcast. If I told you you were in a position where you were 10-2, they were 10-2, and, and you just got to... You got to maintain the, the Niners. Best case scenario are either tied or have a one-game lead going into that final game because pe- they need to win it. Seattle's already beat them, so just winning it means they push. If they are one game behind them and win that game, I know Barrows wrote this. They're not even guaranteed that. Then it goes to tiebreaker stuff. Yeah, the and Seattle's the way, in the, the driver's seat here. Yeah, the way, so Barrows wrote the way it lines up right now. It, we talked about. Remember, we talked about the fifth tiebreaker, which is strength of victory. <laughs> so you know you play a lot of the same teams, so it comes down, and they've beaten a lot of the same they, teams. They, they, guy, they literally play fourteen of the same games, so it comes down to a couple games, right? And for the Seahawks, they've beaten the Eagles and the Vikings, and for the Niners, uh, Washington and Green Bay. And right now, Eagles plus Vikings has thirteen wins, and Washington plus Green Bay has twelve wins. So right now, Seattle has that tiebreaker. And like you were telling me, you look at the schedule. Doesn't Washington play? Green Bay this week? Yes, that's a loss. So that so there's I mean that's one win, that's, but it's also a, one that's L. A, that's a wash, yeah. So the um, Eagles, wouldn't you bet on if you just had they they have eight games left, you would just say the Eagles and Vikings would win more of those eight games. Like the Redskins might not win another game. So yeah, I think the Seattle will win that tiebreaker if that's what it comes down. That's also assuming then, right? They would the Niners in Seattle would end up with the same record because the Niners beat them week seventeen, which right. is a pretty strong assumption given the Niners struggles up there, right? Yeah, I, I don't think I can't assume that, but I do think the Niners are good enough. But I think the key is just is so that what that means is the question becomes how do they even get there with a chance to win the division? Do you look differently though at Seattle against LA Sunday night with LA? Get you know, Mojo back would be strong, but they did beat the shit out of a team that's been a little feisty. Yeah, I mean, look, the fact that that game's in LA makes all the difference in the world to me. Sunday um, night football. So I, I just like I said, to me, it's given what you said about if they win there, even then the tiebreaker doesn't favor them. They need Seattle to lose here in these next three weeks, and they've got to beat the Saints if they're going to have a chance to win this division. Because Seattle plays, the, then they go to Carolina who will be coached by Perry Fuel, and then they play Arizona at home. Do you remember Perry Fuel from the Giants days? I do. I'd forgotten about him completely, but yeah. What would you imagine? The Saints have obviously lost one home game, and that was when they got boat raced randomly by the Falcons, right? It was like, whoa, where's that coming from? They got their ass kicked, and it was just their one outlier game. But historically, even unlike Seattle, which has been more... I don't want to say pedestrians too strong, but they have not been. Remember the the first two or three years of the Sherman of the LOB era, they were unbeatable in Seattle. Like it was just they were going eight and zero. So it was like, were they going to go thirteen and three because they went five and three on the road? They were not losing at home. It is a little more winnable up there, mainly just because Seattle's roster hasn't been as good as those teams. Where I think when you look at the Saints, you go, well, this their roster probably the best of the last decade. You know, these last couple years, they've been, I mean, last year they were, 
they literally had a call go against them that had a rule change that, as we've seen this year, the rule change hasn't really changed anything. But because it fucked them, because they were hosting, let me repeat, hosting the NFC Championship game. And they look kind of in the driver's seat right now to be hosting the NFC Championship game again. Think about that guy. They hosted the NFC Championship game last year. It's not like, well, the Rams played them. The Rams were 13-3. and So this team is fucking good. They rattled off victory after victory without Drew Brees. To me, that spoke to, like, two things. One, your roster. To win games with your backup quarterback, it's more than just coaching, which they have one of the best coaches in the league. It's just your roster is equipped. I remember watching him during that stretch, like, damn, Latavius Murray looks unreal. Obviously, Michael Thomas might shatter some receiving records. Their defense under Dennis Allen, there's a reason you kind of keep reading, like, oh, Dennis Allen's going to get some interviews this year because his defense has been really good. Well, did you I, see what Sheldon Rankin said today or yesterday that he thinks Cam Jordan get 20 sacks? Well, I mean, he might be the, the defensive player of the year. Do do Joe Staley coming back with a fucked up finger, fucked up leg, and hasn't really been good? I mean, uh, can Joe get a soft landing once when he comes back from injury? No, that's a that's a tough match. You can't hear anything. Now, the one thing that's much easier to do is to run the ball for any offensive lineman. And in that Seattle game, they got a little pass happy early. They also remember kind of they were down once Jimmy threw that pick. You know, I think it was 21, was it 21 to 10? So it was like they didn't have a choice, and, he, and Clowney kind of kept. But it felt like Clowney was just killing him in the run game too early in the game. Now, Clowney's a little more powerful. Like Cam Jordan's a little more of like a chest, like a Swiss Army knife, like kind of lines up everywhere. Where Clowney for the most part, is lining up over tackles. But this game is... The likelihood of them... You know, we we said, like, it's going to be really hard to split these two games. But if I told you they split these two games and the other game it took a walk-off field goal to beat them, you'd be like, fuck. So they kicked the shit out of the Packers, then they split these two games, and then the game in Baltimore was just because... You know, they they couldn't get a fourth down late in the game. That would be a pretty incredible three-game stretch if they were to win this game. If they lose this game, if it looks just like the Ravens game, their three best games will be three tight losses. So you'd be like, well, you know, they're pretty good. And two of those losses were on the road against arguably the best and second-best team in the league. If they won this game, I think then we'd be talking like they can go into Seattle and win. This game, However this game looks is going to have a big, you know, uh, impact on the way I think we feel about their ability to win the division and then kind of their ability to make a legit run in the playoffs. Because if they were to win this game, they still may end up being the five seed, but you'd be like, well, they're clearly going to have experience playing in Seattle. They beat New Orleans. They beat, like, the Packers. They're going to get a somewhat of a quote-unquote soft landing against Dallas. Yeah, take it a step further, right? If they were to win this game... Beat Seattle, still not get the still the tiebreaker doesn't work in their favor because Seattle wins out as well until they lose to the Niners, but they have the fifth tiebreaker, or whatever. You would have a Niner team going to what Dallas, having beaten New Orleans on the road and Red, Redskins. Redskins are still alive, sources say for the division. Okay, that's right, they are because they're also selling playoff tickets like the did Raiders. You, did are. you know that the Cowboys and Bears play Thursday Night Football? I did, and I'm actually. It's, Kind of, they're both six and six. I'm pretty fired up for that game. <laughs> That's a pretty big kind of swing game for one of those two teams. But John, think about this: if the Niners, if, if do what you just said, if they beat New Orleans and Seattle on the road and on the wild card, 
I mean, you'd be looking at them like they're going to play. Are they going to play a playoff game tougher than those two environments? Unless they're in those two environments, if they're at Seattle or at New Orleans. But that's it. I mean, they will have, they'll be at that point as well prepared, as good and as well prepared as a wild card team could be. I would say if they are the five seed, they would almost be if assuming they won that first round. Which even if Dallas is eight and eight. There is no such thing as just some easy NFL game, right? right? Because remember years ago, speaking of the Saints, the Saints were like 11-5. and It was one of those years that it must have been the Falcons or Carolina. Couldn't have been Tampa. But they obviously didn't win the NFC South. They had to go on the road as the five seed. Hell, they might have been 12-4. and And they played that 7-9 and Seattle team. And what happened? They fucking lost. Now, that... That was kind of a start of something. We look back like, oh, well, they had some pretty sweet rookies. A guy named yeah. Cam Chancellor Richard. But still, I think that was the year before Russell got there. He just to go to Dallas is, wouldn't just be easy, you know? No, but, I mean, but I'll tell you this. If, they, if they've won at New Orleans and Seattle, I would pick the 49ers as a wild card team to be in the NFC Championship game. I would feel really good about picking that, wouldn't you? If they, if they did win it in New Orleans and won in Seattle and were still the wild card because of the tiebreakers, that would be the best wild card team I've ever seen. <laughs> would you agree? Yeah. That that would be fucking insane, but it's it's not insane enough to not happen because, like you said, it could easily happen. It's pretty nuts. And this is where it was crazy two weeks ago and you're like, they're nine and one, but goddamn, Seattle's right there too. They're eight and two, and then they just held serve, held serve. The Niners drop one, and now they're in the driver's seat. You see, Seattle yesterday tweeted out screenshot of just the NFC West with just kind of like a, you know, a rosy cheeks, like blushing face. No, like hey guys, we're here. Like even they're like, this is kind of nuts. Yeah, you know? because it felt like the Niners were the best team in the league, best team in the league, winning everything, winning everything, and then Seattle that swing game on that Monday night football. Was, I think we like I leaving the stadium. I, I think everyone and I remember texting you like, was that as crazy on TV as it was? But I don't think big everyone was thinking big picture. It was more that in a vacuum that game was insane. And then I think as we took a breath and we started talking as the week went on, that was a pretty big but, moment. To John, to our credit, I think we talked about it a lot going into it. That it's just this game. You just can't, and this is like there's probably people right now listening to this podcast in hour four of an eight-hour drive across the state of California, up and down, or somewhere else. You've done it when you scouted, especially. You were driving non-seven-hour drives. I've done it from Fresno. That's a three-and-a-half-hour drive, and it's still, like, that last hour is just... It's... Like, that's what this Niners season feels like, is, like, you're just three hours into this six-hour drive, and you're like, oh, my God, it's it's not stopping. How is there no breaks in this season? That's what's crazy is it went from, God, the Niners scheduled so easy to this is insane. This is the, 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 the physical and mental toll. I mean, so Staley's coming back. Breed is coming back maybe. Ford's coming back maybe. But Kwaski Tart has a broken rib. they got three D linemen that are hurt. I mean, it's nuts. I, when, I, when I saw that it, it turned oh, out. Oh, the two bro- receivers on IR are not coming back, by the way. Who's that? Well, oh, Jalen Hurd and your boy. Yeah. And Trent. Like a broken rib. It was like, hey, you know, it's 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 going to be okay. He's just a broken rib. Well, it's like broken ribs don't really just heal a couple weeks. Like he's he's got to deal with that. Is he getting a month off? Does he try to tough it out in like two weeks? 
Kwaski Tart has been pretty important to this defense. Now, they bring in that Marcel Harris. Like three plays later, he has that play where he strips the ball. Was that DK Metcalf's hands? Or no, they were though they were playing the Ravens. I don't know. Yeah, you're thinking of Lamar Jackson. He took but that did happen to DK Metcalf, but it also happened to Lamar Jackson with you know, just an incredible just steal it out of his hands. I guess to DK Metcalf, Xavier Rhodes tackled him and the ball popped out. A little different, but yeah, I mean it's just it's it's just intense. You know, some years like uh I'm trying to think of the divisions right now. For example, like the Patriots aren't just in the clear right now. They're they got two losses, the Bills got three losses, and it would it could come down to a situation. Now the Bills play the Ravens this week, so we'll see. But doesn't it kind of feel like the Bills against the Ravens, not a bad matchup? Like they play really good defense, they got a good defensive coordinator, maybe they can kind of cue something up. But what if they come down to a tiebreaker? Like last year when Seattle made the playoffs, I think they were 10-6. and six. The Rams kind of cruised to the division because the Rams beat Seattle twice, so they had tiebreakers. And the Rams were a couple games up, especially headed out this time of the year, even when they lost two games late in the season. It was like, yeah, they're in the clear. And sometimes when you have like a 12-4, and 13-3 season, you're just, you got some breathing room. And maybe it happens next year to one of these teams. But it ain't the fucking case right now. Like the Saints, the Saints are division. I mean, they won the division, it felt like, in fucking mid-October. Because right now, they got to have a four-game lead. The third-place team, I think, is the Panthers. There's the, the third-place team in the NFC South guy is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are 10-2, and two, and the next-place team is 5-7. and seven. That's a five-game so lead. The only thing the Saints are thinking about right now, the only thing is playoff seeding and winning this game. They don't fucking care about the Bucks, about Ron Rivera, about what the hell is going on with Dan Quinn. Their division is irrelevant to them, right? Well, think about this. With a month left in a baseball season, a five-game lead's pretty good. This is a football season. Yeah, it's that, that thing is a wrap. They got a they clinched? I mean, how do you yeah. make them a five-game lead in four games? Is that they got, the little, they got the little Z next to their name. So they, they won the division already. They just don't know. They just haven't clipped. Is they the X one seed? Yeah, the X is the home field buy. The X is the home field buy. So, d- d- I, I do think just, though. I was just gonna say real was, quick on your Patriots scenario. Yeah, if I could hit that for a second. They, you, th- those two teams, Buffalo and New England, could be tied by Monday. It's a pretty big swing weekend, huh? Because New England plays Kansas City, and then Buffalo. So they could they play in two weeks. So they could play in two weeks with the same record. My question is, where is the Ravens game? The Ravens-Bills. Is that game in? It's in Buffalo. It's wow. in Buffalo. Now, the Bills would also have to win the rematch, right? Because the Patriots beat them the first time. In Foxborough. They beat them in Buffalo. So right. it's right. If the Bills can go on a two-game stretch, because I think their next game might be the Patriots. No, they it, play Pittsburgh. Then they play the, the Patriots. So the Bills' next three-game stretch is pretty hard. Ravens at Steelers at Patriots. But if they go two and three, it's not out of the realm of possibility given the Patriots could lose this weekend. This thing could become interesting. But that's that's not the case here with the Saints where they are just focused on let's knock the fucking 49ers out of our way. So we'll beat the 49ers here. Worst case, we got to see them again, but they're coming here again. That, that's what the Saints got to be. If, if, we, if you and I were, you know... What's it? Uh, go Tigers, but it's the... G-A-U-X. Yeah. Yeah. If we were doing this show on the Saints, 
we'd be like, this is a moment where we can kick the Niners to a wild card team. We we already beat Seattle in Seattle with Teddy, so we'll kind of control our own destiny there. Like we got the tiebreaker. Like boom, hey guys, we own we own the tiebreaker here. We're basically the one seed. The fact is, if you're New Orleans and you win this game, you start you you're now the NFC. You are the. I mean, they might be the NFC favorites right now, but they definitely become the NFC favorites if they beat the Niners this week. They win this game. I, I wouldn't you say. They would be the when I say heavy favorites, I would mean they would be like if I was making odds, they'd be like the even odds. Seattle would be like a three, four to one because again, I watched the Saints go up to Seattle and beat the shit out of them with a backup quarterback, and we just know how hard it is to play in New Orleans, right? Yeah, the Mar- see this is home field's going to matter so much in the NFC because you think just because I know this when I watch the Forty ers they look every bit the team that. Like, they are on the same level as the Ravens, as the Saints, I think. When I watch them, I say, that that team is, they can look as good as it looks. So, but think about this, guy. The, a wild card team, now this team won the Super Bowl, and it was their second Super Bowl victory in like four or five years. Remember when the Giants went on their crazy run? And I think the two games they beat, they beat the Packers, who were the number one seed, but they went on the road, and then they beat the 49ers at Candlestick. That team, if you remember, had a couple things going for them. They had an elite defensive line, kind of like they did in 07 when they took out the Patriots. They had JPP instead of, like, uh, Tuck, or, I mean, Strahan by then. But they still had OC, they had Tuck, they had Canty, they had Kiwanuka. They just had dudes they could throw, kind of like the Niners. And they just had kind of a just a tough offense, just a physical run. Brandon Jacobs was pretty good then and it was just like okay this translated when you had to go in crazy environments and they rattle off a couple wins the Niners are kind of built like that so if you are going to be built to make a run in the playoffs you have and to do it on the road like you can be flawed if you're the one seed because like you got to come to us right because you would say the Saints you know I I would say their flaw would be their quarterback can't really move and Texan with a buddy in the league like last week he was like, well, Drew doesn't quite look as good as he did a couple years ago. Which I think anytime you say, people are like, oh, just hating. Well, the guy's fucking 40. You know, it's like, people, Dom doesn't look quite as good as he did three years ago. No shit, he's 42. You know, it's, it's okay to say that. You know, it's just, it's hard. The Niners actually match up, in my opinion. I mean, not even it's not even an opinion, it's just a fact. I mean, we've seen them against mobile quarterbacks, against guys that can't move. Just like those Giants... Why did they match up well against Tom? Because he can't run away, you know? If, if you can get to, like, it's hard. They had, how many times did they have Lamar, Kyler, and uh, and Russell in that, you know, they played the Cardinals twice and then those other two teams. So in those four games, like, dead to rights. And those guys just fucking made crazy-ass plays. Like, Tom, Breeze, even Rodgers on that Sunday night game. Or was that Monday night? Oh, Sunday night. Like, he can't move like those guys. Did they they get those bodies in the backfield, especially the two Oregon guys are so long and they just you're fucked. Now if you can move, it's like if you take a bad angle, Lamar or Kyler or Russell kill you. And he did it. How many times did Russell do that the other night to Minnesota, where those guys were just right there and he would just make a crazy ass move? And they yeah. have crazy D linemen. It's got to be frustrating being a blue chip defensive lineman playing a guy like Lamar or Russell, where you're like fucking hey, I smoke my tackle. When I'm playing just Joe Blow, Eli Manning, I'm getting a sack. Yeah, which, by the way, 
like watch Lamar Jackson take Quan Alexander's soul. It's like, can we give Quan Alexander a break? Not Quan. It wasn't Quan Alexander. Sorry. Uh, who's the DB? Which one? They got shook oh, out of his shoes. Yeah, oh, uh, it was. I don't uh, know why I keep saying Quan Alexander. Yeah, it was Quan. I, I never get his name right. It was Quan Williams, I think. Quan. Quan. Number, Quan I just call him number twenty-four. Uh, I'm like, it's pouring rain. Pouring rain. He, like your mom, doesn't quite know who has the football anyway. And he's got Lamar Jackson in front of him. I'm giving the guy a break. Um, but at, anytime man. you're the outside contained guy, and Who's you're a, and you're slightly inside, you're gonna be fucked <laughs> with a guy like that. Like I don't I even blame the defensive back. Like nothing he's gonna do. He's that's gonna all, that's all I'm saying is I don't. You might be in the wrong spot. But would um, Ed Reed have made that tackle? Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. I don't think. The more we talk about this, and this is where the Saints game to me, it, it the win matters for sure. But if it looks something like the Ravens game did, I really don't think not winning the divi- not being not winning the division is going to be a death sentence for the 49ers. I think they're still I just because I think they're really really good. The wild card to me does not keep them out of the NFC Championship game. No, you but you you lose this game, I think we're just really kind of start locking in on Yeah. There's going to be a lot of pressure in that week 1 wild card game. It's going to be I would imagine Fox is all over Sunday afternoon, Aikman Buck Niners Cowboys picking that game. Niners Cowboys. The Niners are gonna be favored because the Cowboys. I mean, guy, there's what would you say a coin flip chance they lose tomorrow? I mean, they're no lock to win any game against a decent team. So the Cow, they're gonna be favored. It's like there's just pressure when you're a favorite on the road in a game that everyone's thinking you should win. That's all I'm saying is that's not easy. And I think everyone's just like, oh, they're just being the second round. Fuck, I. I don't look at it like that. I, I don't give a shit how bad Jason Garrett is, how weird the Cowboys season has been. I would probably look a little different if it was the Eagles because they are legitimately flawed. Like, they clearly don't have as many good players this year. But that's the thing that Cowboys fans are so pissed off at. They're like, fuck Amari, Zeke, Van Der Esch, Jalen, Demarcus, Dak. All those guys are there. It's like, what, what is going on? How are, we, how are we getting our ass kicked by the Bills? All these guys are playing. Now, Amari's limping around a little bit, but still, it's like, what's going? What, what's happening here? That's where I just, they're at home. You get in a position, if you're like Demarcus Lawrence, like, we got nothing to fucking lose. Let's go kick these guys' ass. And I'm not saying they will. I, the Niners, I would imagine, be like a four or five point favorite. So basically like a touchdown favorite, the equivalent, because it'd be on the road and the Cowboys get an automatic three points. It'd be, it'd be a big number for, you know, a five seed playing a four seed. Right. And I, I just don't look at it like it's an easy win. Now, it may end up being the Niners win by 14. Uh, I, yeah, look, I don't look at it like it's an easy win either. I agree with you. But, but I, I just, I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying the conversation no, 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 will sound like that. No, I, I know. And I think you're right. But the thing that I keep going back to is, like, I've watched the Cowboys, like you have, like most people have, a ton this year. The 49ers are consistently a superior football team. 1,000%. But we just, the playoffs get weird. For sure. Especially... Because, you know, at that point in time, uh, Jerry Jones will be giving other owners recommendations for Jason Garrett. Well, just he'll be, think like, about, he'll think be like, do you think Jerry is Jason's first reference when he fires him? <laughs> think about this. Last year, I thought the Eagles, like when Foles was playing, no way were they going to go on the road to Chicago against that defense. And what happened? They won. Now, those teams were probably closer, right, than this 
on paper and in reality than the Niners and Cowboys would be about the way the season played out. But still, remember, the Eagles were pretty shitty most of the year to like the last couple games when Foles got them in. I'm pretty sure they made the playoffs as a 9-7 and wild card. And it was like, God, I, I hammered the I lost money that game. I was like, the Bears, how, how Foles going to score? They can't run the ball. And they lost. Now, the difference is that Mitch can't score. Like, Dak can throw up points on you. And they do, in theory, have some good offensive linemen. I mean, I'm already talking like this game's going to happen, but <laughs> kind of feels that way, doesn't it? It just yeah. kind of does. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, I, if I had to bet right now, I would bet that that's the game. The Niners are a five seed. If I had to bet right now, wouldn't you? I, I would say this too, guy. I, I think the NFC and, the, and it would probably be NBC would probably take Vikings. I'd imagine they take Vikings, Packers. And then Fox would take Niners, Cowboys, or or Pack or Vikings. You know, Pack, however that match sets up, those are p- two pretty good wild card games from the NFC, aren't they? Yeah, I mean the Cowboys are more brand than substance, but the other game is really good. It's this year with the NFC, we just know we're getting a good game. And I, I and I would say at this point, I I think we can say it right now: the Super Bowl matchup is going to be pretty great. It's going to feel a little fresh. Even if it's the Patriots, because it's either the Niners, maybe it's New Orleans, and we're going to have the whole like to me that I know it doesn't sound fresh, New Orleans, New England, but it is. I mean, New Orleans only been there once, right? So it's a Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I already feel like our Super Bowl matchup is going to be really good. Niners fans won't want to hear this, but now they, see, I mean, Russ, if you get Russ against Mahomes or Lamar or Tom, they, they they wouldn't mind that, would they? No, I would say Russ against Tom, Seahawks, Pats will feel you'll get some of that, like oh, this game again. But I won't feel that way. I, I don't think you would get this game again at all because that's one of the most memorable, you know, memorable games I, in the history of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just feel like some people. I think it's easy to do that. Oh, I've seen the, I've seen this team here before. Same answers from Russell. Same answers from Tom. To me, I think every team in the NFC you'd be fine with. I do think people are just like, oh, we just had enough of Tom. You know, we just had enough of Tom. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's less even about Belichick. Like, I, I think everyone would sign up to watch Belichick coach almost, just his team. I think people are just kind of tired of watching Tom. And at 43 years old, this unmovable white guy who just all, kind of pouting lately because his team kind of sucks. I, I – Honestly, it's a little boring for me to watch, and I love the Patriots. Well, it's boring right now because they're not kicking people's ass. When they start they, kicking well, people's they, ass. Well, guy, they can't score. Well, they I know. Can't they don't have score. anybody on offense that scares you. I'm ready for Baltimore or Kansas City to make the goddamn dance. Yeah, yeah. By the way, the um, uh, Saban-Belichick like HBO special airs next week on the 10th, I think, on HBO. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, I, saw, I watched a little preview of it, and uh, it's just like, it's the two of them sitting there, it's like, now, I, the thing people don't know, I, is once you've reached the mountaintop, you become the mountaintop. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a conversation like that. It's pretty good. They got a lot of good old footage of them in Cleveland together, which I can't get enough Saban in Cleveland footage. Big glasses, hair. I mean, looks way older then than he does now. I can't get enough of Bill when he kind of will tell a story on this NFL 100. Yeah, like he told some stories about LT, and he was so mad. Like one day he's like, "LT's not here. LT's not here," and he's like, "We're not, you know we started the meeting without LT," and then he and then he goes and like tells Parcells after he's like, 
you know, LT didn't show up till halfway through the meeting. And Parcells looks at Belichick and goes, well, wait till he shows up to start the meeting then. And then walks away. <laughs> and I guess LT was late to a Monday night football game. Uh, and he showed up literally right before kickoff. And he gets there and Belichick and Parcells like, where the fuck have you been? And he looks at him and goes, the foursome ahead of me was playing really slow. And, I mean, what are they going to do? He was so good that it's not like, you know. And that's where I think people don't realize about Belichick for all his, like, overachieving Edelmans and Welkers and Winovinches and Matt Slaters and even Toms of the world that just do er The best player he's ever coached beside Tom Brady was literally doing crack and fucking around and is known as, like, the greatest. Like, so he's, he understands what you need. And he's still, like, when they – remember last year when they're like, do you think Khalil Max LT and Belichick's jaw hit the floor? Like, don't don't ever say that again. And he's kind of been proven, right? Like, Khalil, where were you the last, like, six weeks? Like, yeah. that LT was on crack and that didn't happen to the guy. So, I, I, I think your experience is just as a coach, which just kind of shape you, right? It's like why – it's why uh, Andy Reid liked Mahomes and other coaches didn't. It's why Kyle likes certain likes the cu- cousins types and not the RG three types, right? It's just it just shapes what the way you think about things. Now I'm not saying Belichick's like I one. There's just not many LTs, but I'm not messing with that type guy. But he's taken some flyers like on the Corey Dillons and on the Randy Mosses. You got to be the elite of the elite, and he's like I'll I'll try it. <laughs> Where some guys just look at certain players like untouched. Antonio Brown. Yeah, he signed Antonio Brown after the feed. Now, was part of that necessity? Or part of that, you know, they just but, didn't yeah, have any wide receivers? But doesn't, the, the, the point, I mean, why he did it doesn't matter. He was willing to do it. He was. And then he I cut mean, him. Yeah, and he cut him. Played him, to, cut him. <laughs> to me, there were like two teams that were going to sign him, and that was Seattle and New England. I think the thing that would really have made that story great is if it, the week that he had played had not been the Dolphins game, but like he'd scored a touchdown in the Kansas City game and then yeah, it had been like, cut. Like a, like a game winner against the Buffalo Bills he, or something. Yeah, because then he Antonio would be asking for a Super Bowl ring if they win the championship. And he might yeah. deserve it if they had the one seed by a game over Kansas City or something like that. You get a Super Bowl Baltimore. ring for the one gamer? Um, Probably you would have had a chance if you didn't go out taking shots at everybody in the organization. I'm pretty confident – and I, I love seeing this. Like, I'm not writing the Patriots off till they prove me wrong. And I'm I'm with that. Like, I, I don't think, even though they're struggling, I think they suck or anything. I, I still think they could be a major factor. If they host games at Foxborough, they're probably going to win them. But it does feel like, for the first time over the last four or five years, like, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. You know, just, yeah. just something feels a little off with them. Yeah. Do you think it's Again, more like not the winning Kansas the Super Bowl? That's, that's, that's as far as I'm going. Like, So, real quick, do you think it's more like, does Kansas City feel better to you? So I don't even necessarily think, and I Baltimore beat them, and I have nothing but respect for Baltimore. I I don't know who's going to win the AFC because it's hard for me to say like Lamar Jackson is going to beat New England in Foxborough or Kansas City is going to be able to stop them. Now it's easier. The one thing Kansas City might say we match up better defensively against them because they're not great on offense, right? Like how are they going to score thirty five points on us? We can't score on them. They can't score on us because they can't score on anybody. Right. So our fundamental flaw, like remember last year, one that Gronk hit a couple huge plays in that game against Kansas. He just doesn't exist. He does not exist anymore. 
So I'd say, yeah, I don't think Kansas City is like much improved on defense, but the matchup just conducive to helping them out because they're shitty on offense. I I, I want to say that, but if I close my eyes, I have an easier time seeing the Patriots win the Super Bowl than the Chiefs, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's because yeah. I have those images already preloaded in my head. So, well, you would just say the way the world works. Like eventually, even a couple years ago, remember New England got beat by Denver. I guess the last time they didn't go to the Super Bowl. How many Super Bowls have been to straight? Like three. I've just I've had enough, and I, and I yeah, love look, New England. Just I think like New- this year with Alabama, like I just had enough. I'm ready. New Orleans is better. San Francisco's better. Baltimore's better. Seattle could be better. We're gonna Kansas find City. out this weekend about Kansas City. Yeah. All right, uh, let's talk about Chris Peterson. This was one of the shocking uh, sports stories of, of the week. And then w- what made it kind of interesting was I, and a lot of people, start you start going back and reading old Chris Peterson quotes and finding old videos. Like, oh, he was, that was a hint. That was a hint. He said he didn't really decide until, like, middle of Thanksgiving week, kind of beginning of Thanksgiving week. Um, but that he, uh, he recognized after they lost in the Rose Bowl that, like, he didn't enjoy it as much, and then that was a problem. That, that so, was in January. That's right. Yeah. So he, it had been maybe on in the back of his mind for about a year now. And I wonder if it's been kind of always – because one thing a lot of people who know him told me, it's like I'm surprised he did it right now, but I'm not surprised that he went out like that, right? And you and I have covered him forever. Uh, watched him, played against him. You did uh, at Fresno State. Scored I watched some him. touchdowns against him. Yeah, yeah. I, um. I don't think anyone's shocked that that's the way he went out, but it's still pretty shocking that he just stepped away, handed the job over to Jimmy Lake, and said he's going to recharge. I, I've like, always thought, guy, and I, I used to, I used to go to the mat for him when I got to the NFL, and I vividly remember walking by this guy's office one day, and it, he's been proven to be fucking pretty good himself. And Sean McDermott goes, because he he realized I was this was when I first kind of got to the Eagles maybe a couple weeks in I was dropping something off at his, some printout and he's like what's in the water at Boise State and I'm like I'm I think it just starts and ends with Chris Peterson man and he was just fascinated and Sean McDermott is kind of has some similarities to Pete where if Chris Peterson hadn't worked in football and I I think Belichick's one million percent like this. He would have been elite at whatever he did. Ran companies, been a professor at like Stanford. Uh, whatever he did, he would have been really, really good. But it turns out he coached football, and he didn't just coach football. He fucking dominated. And I, I actually think his best team of his career is, and maybe we could argue this, I'd have to really dive into that Washington team that made the playoffs. I think the 2011 Boise team that lost on that crazy field goal to Kaepernick's team in Nevada in, like, double overtime. And I think didn't Boise miss a field goal. However it worked out, was his best team. Remember, 13, I think, of his 22 starters that year were drafted. And that's not even counting. Like, his best player on that team was Kellen fucking Moore, his quarterback. They were elite. And over that run at Boise, they were beating the shit out of Chip Kelly, TCU, beating Oregon State, beating Sark. Beaten, remember, they beat Georgia. They, they beat everybody, kicking their ass. And then he got to Washington, and it was cool because he got to prove himself, and he made the playoffs. And remember, when he first got there, the best player on his team, Marcus Peters, who's turned out to be a pretty damn good, kicked off. Now, he did – you have to recruit a little bit different of a guy, I think, at Washington, right, than he did at Boise. And the team that he won, like, was John Ross, his recruit. 
Was Pettis his recruit or were those Starks guys? Uh, let me think. That would have been like his second year there. Maybe his third year. What year did he get hired there? No, 14? the Peach Bowl was his third year there. So those. So I don't know. It would have been close. What's the Peach Bowl where they played Alabama? That's where they played Alabama. Yeah, which was his third year, which was sixteen. Yeah. So I mean, some of those guys. I mean, he clearly can recruit NFL guys. He did it at Boise, but I do think it's. He was recruiting like he was going toe-to-toe with the SCs, the Texas, the Oklahomas, and I, I don't think that's really what he wants to do. <laughs> but you have to do that to stay competitive. I, I think, me personally, I haven't read as much probably about it as you, why he left. And I don't even think he's admitted this. But that had to really kind of wear him out. Because when you're recruiting up against like an Oklahoma or an Alabama for a guy that you want in L.A. or Sacramento, or even Washington – the over-the-top shit you got to do is probably just like, this fucking sucks. Where Nick, or if you're at Alabama or Oklahoma, you still know like you're getting the elite of the elite guy. At Washington, you do have to hustle a little bit for it, right? You're yeah, not just guaranteed to get the four or five star guy. you're not offering guys who have no other offers, who you found diamonds in the rough, who are just and happy the, to have and somebody the li- And that live by you. Right. Like, you've you got to get a guy from L.A. to come to you. And it's pretty far away. Now, so is Alabama, but it's like... They are winning national championships. Yeah, but you're just, you, you are recruiting against people who are, you know, at Boise, you're not necessarily the guys that, you're, you're like, hey, look, we're the ones going to the Fiesta Bowl. Who else is offering you? Well, uh, Montana State and, yeah. uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, Utah State. Guy, Va- guy Van Der Esch played eight-man high school football. Zero offers. So, I, look. Justin Wilcox had to be like, hey, Pete. I will give up a scholarship if you offer this guy. Well, who else offered him? Well, nobody would like Cal Poly and UC Davis, but I'm telling you. <laughs> that's just not – they had to like – I and I wonder if this. Like, he had to do it, and I'm sure he recruited him. Because wasn't Jacob Easton from Washington when he went to Georgia? Is that where he's from? Seattle? Yeah. Yep. So they, they knew about him, obviously. They probably knew him personally. Ben, they recruited him, probably. I wonder if, like, you just have to do things like that. I think you do. Yeah, and I I wonder if deep down now, like you know I didn't really want him you know just yeah, wasn't like, really we have just we had like three guys who were all young maybe we should just let them battle it out right yeah our culture the guys we want I didn't want this guy and then watching him I felt like I, just watching that guy play like this is not Pete's type guy I think it's something in, like, you agree have, like he likes Jake Browning who's not as yeah. talented as Jacob Eason in the in the slightest but it's just predictable. A hundred million times. Didn't he make the playoffs with Jacob Browning as his starting quarterback? Well, yeah, John, that team, <laughs> that that Pettis, that's the thing. It's like when you talk about that team versus his best Boise teams. You're right. And his, and his, but his Baker. best Boise teams were excluded because his best Boise teams had really good, had NFL, multiple NFL running backs. They did have explosive receivers. Um, Two guys drafted in the second and fourth round. They had Ioka. They had a bunch of lo- yeah, defensive linemen. What I was going to say, though, is like the, when you take John Ross and Dante Pettis and put those two guys up against everything else he had, I still think it would be a good game. Though the, the the explosiveness that they had on offense, and they obviously were really good on defense. Well, who were their three DBs? Sidney Jones, Buda Baker, and they had another corner, right? Kevin King? And Kevin King. Yeah. So th- their defensive backfield was excellent. I think at Boise, though, his defense, all those guys he got drafted, remember? Yeah. No, I mean, it would be a game. I do think it's tough when you go, and I give coaches full credit, but, like, when you just play – now, the thing with Oklahoma is they were kicking Oklahoma's ass, remember? 
and then they had to come, and then Oklahoma came back, and then they had to run the stat, the the hook and ladder, and the Statue of Liberty. Um, but they were beating Oklahoma's ass. See, I don't even include that necessarily. Like a little Utah Alabama. Now it ages really well, but to me that game's a little bit of a one off, a little bit of a. Who did UCF play last year in the playoff? Like Auburn. Well, yeah, Aub- like, Auburn won't do Auburn didn't care about playing. UCF. Do you think that Adrian Peterson in 06 took fucking Boise seriously? No, but I, that's now, the point I was gonna make. Is like I, I do think we have to take all those types of games with a grain of salt. But we've seen those types of teams play those games in the non conference. Eventually those teams their personnel, their speed, even if they're not hundred percent of the game, wins them the game. And that doesn't happen when you play the when you play the best Boise State and the best Utah and the best TCU and the best. Like the fact is, UCF was just probably really good. They probably could have beaten Auburn week two, also, right? Yeah, probably. Probably. The, the, dif- the, dif- but- the difference is we know because Boise from then on out started going, let's roll, and they started kicking. Remember, they beat Chip. They beat Chip. They beat Bilotti, Then they beat that was, Chip. That was Chip's they- debut. Didn't he beat Sark multiple times when he was coaching at Washington? They, they were beating anyone that would play him. Who want? They, they're basically like Pat Hill, but they were better than Fresno State. Held up a sign. Who wants them? <laughs> and, and at the time, people were lining up to do it, right? Because they were cool with doing like home, home, or away, away homes, right? They would do like two for ones away. And now like UCF, that, that's where everyone rips UCF like, Guys, no one's fucking doing a home and home with you. Just do your double away. Boise has yeah. been doing it forever. Well, like, I, I just pulled up 2010. They opened with a win at Virginia Tech. I remember that game. And then week three, they beat Oregon State, who was top 25 at the time. See, and where I give Pete a lot of credit, and maybe it's changed a little bit with money, he didn't oh, I forgot worry about, when, about they went to, when they went and beat Georgia and Atlanta. Like, I, got, I, I got no respect for fucking Danny White, one, because he faked a bunch of donor money. Ten years ago at Fresno State, and two, like, bro, Florida ain't giving you a home and home. You're fucking UCF. Boise is like, do you think Boise got a home and home of Florida State? No, they probably got an away, 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 and then maybe a home, and that that home might get canceled. They don't care. They're like, fuck, we'll go to Florida State, and we'll beat their fucking ass. It's I have infinitely more, and Boise guy is still doing it. I have well, yeah, infinitely I mean, they, more respect for the, Boise State than UCF. Well, they're the gold standard. John, they've been doing it so much longer. It's not even a comparison. But 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 here's the thing, guy. They never bitched and moaned like UCF about national championships or they won't play us. They're like, we'll fucking LSU, you want to yeah, play? But we'll the, fuck, di- we'll play I in will the say bike. the difference was UCF exists in a playoff era. So Boise... They exist right. in the BCS era, though, and they got left out a couple times, remember? Yeah, but it's not that... that that's, that's two teams. Like, it's, UCF is not even sniff, wasn't even sniffing the top 10. As an, they weren't even... No one was even considering them, right? It's not that they weren't in the, top, in the championship game. It's that they didn't even get to be in the top six. Like, I, I think Boise, completely Bo- ignored. Boise so would have got more respect, though. You agree? Yeah, because they've been doing it longer, which is the same reason, like, when Feinbaum says, you know, Utah, no one wants to see them. It's like, I do think... Utah has been... Utah's been punching up for 20 years now. 100%. So they're like that's where I would say fine like maybe maybe it's right, it doesn't matter, but Utah does have a reputation amongst uh first group of 5 and now even power 5 of just punching up and and landing punches. Boise So then anyway, he goes to UW. I he's he's didn't say that he's coming back, but it's only cuz he's smart enough to say I don't know what I'm going to do next. Um, the one that tweet I saw you tweet. A lot of people tweeted. You you said you don't see it, and you're right. 
I've never seen it. Ever, 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 ever seen it. And Pete Thamel wrote it. He did see it, though, because he interviewed with him, right? At once upon a time, he saw it. Or he thought about it. Yeah, this it. was when USC needed to replace Lane. I, I, I saw it up until then. And then the story was that he meets with USC. And the second they start talking boosters and media obligations and all that other BS, it's like... Now, I'd also heard there are other versions where it's like they wanted him to have a couple assistants from SC. Like, There's a few different versions of the story I had heard. The one that Pete Thamel wrote was pretty close to what I've always heard, which is they had a meeting. They liked each other. They start talking about the other responsibilities, the other obligations, maybe some of the other things. He'd like they do. would have hired him if all the shit would have worked, right? They wanted him, in theory, before they met with him. That's what it felt like, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he wanted. I think he was interested in them. I the part that always surprised me was I always kind of felt like he would not have liked it there. Even before that story, I always felt like God. It's just seems like a weird fit for him because he's not about all that hype. So I I can't ever see him at USC. But I don't know. I mean, new administration, things change. If you, if you I just told me, can't, I actually think he fits perfectly at like Cal and Washington or like his type schools. Yeah, well, I, who's to say he's not Washington's offensive coordinator in three years? I don't know. Like, because I remember the story, I think Feldman wrote it, when Dan Hawkins left Boise, and it was like an obvious thing that Chris would become the head coach. His quote was like, it wasn't, to me, I was like, I don't know. I kind of just want to call plays. I never, he didn't set out to become a head football coach. And he said in his press conference Tuesday, like, it's just, it's a heavy job. It's just, it's heavy. And I think we all see it. Like, there's just stuff that he... He's got a pretty clear vision of like what the priorities in his life are. And um, I think he ended up doing a bunch of stuff he didn't want to do. So I, you're right. I always thought Washington was the perfect fit. Or like, or you know, Oregon, to me, is a little closer to USC than it is to UW, just in terms of the yeah. nonstop. He, and he's, he's but, but he's coached there before. Now, it's a long time ago. But he, right. you know, uh, what's, Bilotti kind of put him on the map, right? Because Bilotti's yeah, so, a UC Davis guy. I, yeah, I, I I think those UC Davis intellectual guys all are a little different than like I, he's a little more buttoned up version of Pete. It's why I always thought now I, this was shocking Pete that Carroll. if Pete ever retired, yeah, Pete Carroll, that Washington that John Schneider would come right after him, and it's well, a unique me, job, right? Because they got a fucking quarterback. Yeah, I now it's like we're three years down the road, four years down the road. I don't know, but Pete I do retiring. think the I do think the NFL would be exactly. I do think the NFL makes some sense for Chris Peterson, depending on the job. It's just hard. It's tough. It's tough to find the right. Has he ever coached outside of the West Coast? Like, would you ever see him coaching like the Minnesota Vikings or, you know? See, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he would want to change. I don't know. But, but he's always but, been a. But the other thing would be, it would probably take, if he has, and over the last 10 years, he's probably developed pretty close relationships because he's had so many top NFL uh, draft picks with some general managers. So maybe if he had a special relationship with just some guy that we don't even know about, that maybe he would be intrigued by that job. Kind of like a Herm Edwards, Ray Anderson connection at ASU, right? It would Put take some, it would yeah. take something like that. You yeah. Know? Not, true. not like, you know, like with the, even the Lynch and Kyle, like they didn't really know each other that well, but there were connections, but like the relationship and you can only really build a strong, strong relationship, right, once you work with someone, so there would be some unknown. But is there a guy out there that he'd want to, you know, work with? A younger guy, an older I don't even know. But I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't coach again. Like, he's just, this is him. Like, he's a football coach. 
But I'll tell you what would not shock me is if he I chooses just don't know where. to be somebody to be a coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. You can see him being a coordinator. Wouldn't shock me. Now it depends how long he's out. If he's out ten years, if he's out two years, maybe not. But um, to do all the stuff he loves and not have to do any of the stuff he doesn't love. Now the problem with that is he's just such a great big picture guy. He is, I think, a head coach. Yeah, I I think his but, skills would be wasted as a coordinator because you could call plays. Is he the court? He didn't call plays at Washington though, did he? No, but he obviously plays a huge role with the game plan. And, yeah, you know, so the I, coordinator. But to me, like your some of your skills are wasted, but some of them are not. Like I still think you can do a lot of the same things, depending on who your head coach. You know, he can work. He can go work for Kellen Moore. Well, I've already thought if Kellen Moore and the Cowboys fire everybody and he becomes available, how is Kellen Moore not the next offensive coordinator for the Cal Bears? Like, you don't think Justin Wilcox calling him? Oh, for the Cal Bears? Yeah. No, I don't. Maybe he'll have offensive, you know, NFL opportunities, but Justin Wilcox is his guy, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Justin, you know, he's got a, the guy he has, Bo Baldwin, was pretty highly regarded. And when yeah, Chase Garber's been atrocious. Chase so. Garber's only played two Pac 12 games this year. Yeah, I think their offense has been pretty anemic. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I know. I'm just saying, anyway. when Chase Garbers was healthy, they were pretty good. But tell me about that coaching staff: Wilcox, DeRuiter, would they pay, and the other Kellen. Thing is, would, they, would they pay like Kellen Moore? If he's going to have another NFL offensive coordinator job, would they pay? Well, yeah. If Cal? he's getting NFL offensive coordinator jobs, he ain't coming. What about just Pete and Kellen Moore take over like the Seattle Seahawks in a year? But again, Pete ain't leaving, so. Chris Peterson takes that, over. Pete that Carroll, was always yeah. my dream, but Pete Carroll just seeing him at that Monday night game, he just—they're too good. He's too—he's too young, despite being old. <laughs> he ain't going anywhere. That was yeah. always a dream of mine. Dream died. Yeah, I—I I think there are some things about the NFL game that actually, even though in theory it comes with more pressure, or he might enjoy. Well, it's Namely, all football. Not, it's all football. To me, he's got some Brad Stevens to him. Now he's older than Brad Stevens, but I think Brad Stevens is like. I don't miss all the fluff in college. It's all basketball. The only fluff is you got to meet with the media a lot, but it's like Pete knows. I mean, that's just part of the deal with being a coach at this point in time. But I do think Pete legitimately liked the taking high school kids and turning them into college graduates. I do think he, that appealed to him a lot. Yeah, I mean, that, that I would say happens a little less. Than, like, that's the thing, and that might – hinder his ability to win big like he needs to be going to win national championships you need a lot of three and duns right that's a it's a hard balance like yeah i mean but he's had him yeah, he needs even more like to truly like run the table every year like, that's the only but way i don't you think can do it. I, yeah but I, I think they've tried to get like when you look at like the number one players like the biggest prospects that are considering west coast schools i think they're in on yeah i'm not saying he's not i'm just saying i i think that just probably wears you out because you're oh, not I getting them and you're kicking yeah. their ass. And then you're like, we're saving in LSU. I don't think they lose that much sleep because they're going to get the majority get of their recruiting of class going to be five stars. I think yeah. you really got to hustle in Washington to fucking get the elite guys. I do think the next guy, Jimmy Legs, can be pretty good. His opener is against Michigan. But people there rave about him. I mean, Pete raves about Peterson raves about him. And, you know, I think it'll look somewhat – They, you know, the hope there is it looks like what Oklahoma looks like and what Ohio State looks like. And what the Patriots will look like when Steve Belichick takes over. I would say the difference, though, is those teams. Like, what what was Washington's record this year? Seven five. Yeah, those teams were were definitely ahead. Yeah, no doubt. But but the point 
I'm making is I know I know when you've got a really good coach and that coach says this guy is the next guy, I I I think that counts for something. Doesn't always work out that way, but like clearly Urban was right or somebody was right about Ryan Day, and I, I mean you didn't put Ryan Day on the map. The guy named Trip Kelly. He was his DC. Uh, Ryan Day. Yeah. No, Ryan Day's an OC. He was. I mean, he was his OC. Uh, we hired him as a quarterback coach in Philly, brought him to San Francisco. Oh. And like Urban met, obviously, Ryan Day through Chip, you know. Sorry, I mean, the, G- the DC was the guy at Rutgers, Chris Ash, who I guess Texas is going to hire. Was the DC where? Ohio State. Not related to Chip. D- oh, they fired him too? Rutgers. He was the head coach at Rutgers. Yes. Who had been the DC at Ohio State. Gotcha. Has Before, nothing to do with Chip. With Shiano. But always kind of looked like Ryan Day to me. Even though he probably doesn't, and I'm just profiling. Ryan Day is one of those guys that is probably like 42, but he's a wet. I mean, he's got those droopy eyes. He just looks tired. It's like, get some sleep, Ryan. Jimmy Lake is the opposite. Ryan Day was just the coach of the year. Like, the Ryan Day, who's going to be the number one seed more than likely, and Lincoln Riley, now three-year transition, could not have gone any smoother, right? That's no. as smooth as possible. It it's, it doesn't get any smoother. Like the the least smooth is what happened when Pete Carroll left to the next ten years. <laughs> like that's that's ship sinking yeah. constantly. Yes. Well, he, I started wondering like who is is Saban going to have anybody to hand it off to? See, Lake just needs if Lake just wins a couple like has like an eight and four, nine and three, and one year gets the conference. Like he'll be fine. That's like, Washington is not those schools really, right? Like they're not looking. I mean, ideally, but they'd I do love think, to go twelve and zero. Yeah, but I do think it's about now. Like, all right, let's go win the Rose Bowl. Let's go back to the CFP. Uh, it's hard. You got those fucking nine conference games. It is hard. It is hard. All right. Uh, before we move on, John, let's tell the people about Ease Woo! and EaseWellness dot com. The promo code is you know it. Help! 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 Ease dot com guy promo code ham pre rolls vapes. Uppers, downers, sleep aids, bath bombs, you name it, they got it. Best cannabis delivery in the state of California. Ease.com, promo code HAM. Get yourself a little $20 off, over $50 free delivery, depending on where you are. Uh, Check it out. Also, guy, our friends at EaseWellness.com, best CBD in the business, EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM. Get yourself a little discount. Get on it right now. If you're not, I don't know what you're doing. EaseWellness, Ease.com, promo code HAM. Tell your friends, tell your friends. Tell your friends. You know what I gotta do? I gotta check uh, SeatGeek here for the Friday night Pac-12 championship game in the Bay Area. Five eight, you, five uh, p.m. kickoff, a little yeah. early. Take Friday off. Uh, but whether it's that or something else, SeatGeek's the way to go. Download the app, use the promo code HAM, get ten bucks off. Biggest Pac-12 championship game since Mariota won that game and went to the uh, CFP. Yeah, it's pretty big. Uh, yeah, SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app. Uh, you know, I know we got oh. some listeners in. It, how much you get in for? I mean, Middlecoff, you can sit in the lower level for twenty like 40 bucks. Forty bucks. Oh, I'll see you there. You want to go? How how can you get it? You can't get into Levi's for forty bucks these days. No, you can't. You that definitely can't. Seek uh, Geek. Download the Seek Geek app. Promo code Ham. I go. If you just want to go watch a good football game, go on us. Promo code Ham. Get yourself a little discount. Head on to the. Uh, to the Pac-12 championship game, Levi's. If you live in L.A., Lakers, Clippers, they're crushing. Uh, Rose Bowl, not that far away. We got games upon games upon games upon games. SeatGeek, promo code HAM. Get on it, guy. Get on you, it. 
I'll tell you this. You know, it's a great deal. This is one of the best deals going this week. It has to be. Section 203, which is yeah. just behind second. one of the end zones, second level, great view, mm-hmm. 29 bucks. I might go. Is it going to rain? Uh, for the purposes of this advertisement, let's say no. Promo code HAM. Promo, Promo code HAM. HAM. Promo code HAM. Seat Geek, uh, authentic tickets. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm doing right now as we're talking? I'm just clicking on big green dots, and I'm ignoring little red dots. Like the guy who thinks he's getting 450 at the 50, you're not, dude, because the next row over, I can sit there for 130. Sorry, bro. 450 for, for the college football? Yeah, that's what one guy thinks he's getting, but he's not. That's an aggressive, aggressive price. Because I, I go one section over for one thirty, or I can go above in like the, the that cool area where the lounge is for like eighty bucks, and that's a great seat. What would you guess? I'm going to type this in. It costs to get in to the Superdome. I'm going to say the cheapest ticket is uh, probably pretty expensive, right? I, see, I was, yeah, I mean. My honestly, my first gut reaction, I'll just go with it, even though as I'm thinking about it, it feels too low. I'll just say it seventy five dollars. Seventy five dollars? Yeah. Feels low, but I just that was the first number that popped in my head, so I blurted it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, the cheapest to get in is about. You're talking about two fifty. Okay. And then for good seats. I mean, good seats like nine hundred. I mean, it's expensive. You you ain't going to watch Saints Niners for cheap. This it's Levi's prices. That's it's awesome. That, that mean, is it shows you. You know, people fucking awesome want to go crowd. to these games. Yeah. If I was there, I'd go. That place is probably rocking, right? Can you seat geek me some? Uh, I guess I could seat geek some Warriors tickets right now. Oh, they're I mean, guy, they're four and fifty in absolute shambles. No, it's all part of the plan, John. Well, yesterday they flew out the entire organization to watch Draymond get his uh, his jersey retired. Yeah. I had the feeling, and I don't blame him, and there was a picture the other day of practice with Steph without that huge contraption at his hand. They were basically taking the year off. <laughs> and they were lucky that he broke his hand and Clay his ACL. I mean, they, didn't, they wouldn't have wanted to if all these guys came back. Clearly they traded for D'Angelo Russell. But this is the ultimate sabbatical year. And even the fans, guy, are taking a sabbatical. No one's watching, which isn't that shocking. I mean, I I love the NBA, unlike the rest of the country. Ratings are in the tank. But it's, yeah, I just, I, I can't watch Kai Bowman and Eric Pascal. Like, I, I just, come on, I I can't. Well, like, I was not... telling, uh, I, I like the throwbacks, but I was telling John Dickinson, our buddy, this like at the beginning of the season, the problem with the throwbacks is not only do the players not look like the Warriors, now the uniforms don't even look like the Warriors. I need them in the, in the regular jersey, so at least if I flip, if I walk by the TV or I flip it on and that's the channel, I'm like, oh, it looks like the Warriors. But when they're wearing the throwbacks and it's Kai Bowman, with all due respect, I, I, it's, it's, it's a whole different animal. And I know it is for everybody because the ratings are down. What, what was the number, 51% on TV? 51%. Which is the biggest drop off in the NBA? Yes, but they also saying something because they were really high. They were also, I think, the highest local market in the league. Look, and we're seeing it right now with the Niners. I think a big part of this market and West Coast sports in general, if you are really good, you will kill it in the Bay Area in pro sports. If you're really good, if you're three teams, if you're the Niners, yeah, that's right. Raiders, or excuse me, actually the I think the Raiders when they're really good, people do yes. watch too because the NFL. Niners, Giants, and obviously the Warriors. And then the Raiders, it's just the NFL. You're good. People will watch. The A's, it's crazy. No one watches. You know what's funny about football, by the way? How 
prevalent football is. And I guess maybe it works this way in other sports. Like, I'm sure maybe football, when we talk football, you've, there's some basketball rep, rep, references, right? Like, oh, I just I just need you to be like a point guard. But I went to two basketball practices on Wednesday uh, for for a Colorado basketball game I'm doing Wednesday night, and both coaches made basketball references to their players. Like, one of them, it was like a how to uh, – It was they were setting up defense for the baseline out of bounds. They're like, hey, man, I need you to just move back three steps, and you just got to be a linebacker. And then the other side, the other coach told this team, like, hey, this is their Super Bowl coming up, right? Like, it's just – no one ever says, like, hey, this is their Game 7 of the NBA Finals coming up. You just say this is the, <laughs> the Super Bowl is just what you use for anything yeah. that's big. I'm, I, I'm talking, like, this, if a business has, like, a big right. party or whatever. Like, that's this right. is the Super Bowl for Company X tonight. Yeah, or like, yeah. oh, man, uh, Julie's pretty fired up about this wedding, huh? Oh, dude, it's a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> I need you to hit someone tonight like you're Ray Lewis. And you're like, you're talking to the power forward. That's just how they talk. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I mean, it's crazy. It's cra- Now, I do think they were so good for so long. If Steph's back on the court and Clay's back on the court and they get a top two or three pick who's a star, uh, even if he's not, I do think eyeballs will return. But it's just their great was so great. I don't know. It's as good as it's – I don't know how you get any better than what, what that run the Warriors had was. Well, it's – I mean, you could consider that first year when Kevin Durant showed up and the way they peaked, and then definitely to the next year, the greatest But I would say ever. even going back – John, the 70 win. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they, they, they had the greatest two-year run in the history of the franchise, won a championship, going 67-73, and then had the Game 7 of the NBA Finals. It took this guy – I don't know his name's fucking LeBron James to beat him – and then they add Kevin Durant. Like that's it's never going to be duplicated again. But I do think Steph, Clay, and Draymond, when those three are together, regardless of if you get D'Angelo, if you trade him, you get some other sweet players. As long as you guys got those three players, people will come. You build it, they will come. You don't need even need need to add Kevin Durant. You just need those three guys on the court. Even if they're all in their thirties, people will watch. You don't even need to be winning the championship. No, you just need to be competing for like a top four seed, and people will care. That, that's proven. I, I, The Warriors are an outlier there. I think the Lakers, one thing I noticed in, in Hawaii, they had a Lakers channel just playing Laker games. Oh, yeah. Lakers are big. Lakers take Hawaii and – because someone asked me this the other day. Hey, Fresno, like what was that when you were in college? I was like, that's Lakers. Yeah, La- Lakers. Central Valley's Lakers. I think the Lakers and this Warriors team are massive. The rest of the NBA, though, people ain't watching, guy. The ratings are in the tank. And I, I talk to a lot of people just our age – just friends of mine that aren't really that like, yeah, I don't really pay attention to the NBA. And I think it's a culmination of a lot of different things. That's why the, the regular season has never mattered less. Players are showing that. I do think the political stuff with them just being so outspoken has just dripped. You know, these last couple years in actual politics, most humans don't care in, in the sense that it's just like they might be passionate about, you know, whatever politics side they're on, economically, whatever. But I think when they come to sports, like, I, I'm like the Golf Channel on. If the first thing Justin Thomas said after his round started going off with some policy, I'd be like, Justin, I don't care what you think. And then I think when you factor in so that the regular season doesn't matter, they've gotten really outspoken politically. I think their bigger issue, though, even over those things, I, I think their players, they've never been richer and they've never been more out of touch. And some of their players, like, Kyrie, when he went on that Instagram rant, they chanted Kyrie sucks or where is Kyrie? And he went on this Instagram rant. I'm sure he's got 10 million followers on Instagram. 
about like this isn't real life and everyone in the NBA media was tweeting. I, I actually think the NBA media is, has blood on their hands with this because no one ever brings up any of this stuff. Like, should everyone be so outspoken, uh, just uh, aggressively, politically? Should all these players be taking shots at the fans, i.e. the people that make them all this money? I didn't see one NBA reporter go, Kyrie's rant's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever read in my life. Not one person. So I do think those things are two different. Russell categories. Westbrook threatened a woman last year and no one I'm gonna beat your I'm gonna beat her ass. No one said anything. It's like the common guy is like, what the fuck's going on in this league? Yeah, I mean look, I, I first of all I think the political thing and that thing are in two different categories. I don't think it's the media's job to tell players stop talking about politics. No, um, I, I'm not saying I'm just I saying think, I haven't seen one person in the media be like, I wonder if we just tone down the political talk as a league. Like, it would help. The NFL did it. Like, we got to get out of this. Well, but here's the, here's the difference to me. Is the NFL had an alternative great story to present to people. I think the primary, whereas I think the primary issue the league has is the regular season doesn't matter. And as I've said before on the podcast, I think player movement is a problem. It, not for the players, but for fans. Because fans want to root for teams. Rooting for teams, having teams that, having clear matchups, having clear rivalries, having all of that stuff. The one thing college sports has over pro sports, by and large, is rivalries, which matters to fans. Matters more to fans than players. Um, but I think those two factors are major problems. Like well, I, I don't when, think when the, the rivalry- best player in the league is on four different teams before you can blink. See, I right? think the rivalry, like for the NFL, where the teams matter and the players are kind of like. On the same page, kind of the team, it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters in basketball at all. When I say rivalries, I don't mean like traditional geographical rivalries. I just mean clear storylines, like the Knicks hate the Pacers and the Kings hate the Lakers. Each other for seven years, and the because you've got the same players, because no one, because you're all on the same team and you stay on the same team, and you're trying to beat each other up. Um, I I think that's a major problem, too. So, like, those to me are the two primaries. Is the, the player movement, it just fragments what, obviously, at a time when everything's getting fragmented, it fragments allegiances, and then it's hard to get anybody rallied about anything. And then, additionally, the regular season doesn't matter. And to your point, the players don't really seem to care about that. Um, well, think about this guy. When people... So, the, so, so but, but by the way, so when you have a political issue or something that's... Not even political. Something that's a hot-button, divisive thing... There's no real alternative. Yeah, but look at this other. Like the NFL has all these other stories. Like yeah, but look at this other story. Look at this other story. The Super Bowl's coming up. Don't you love that? Thursday night football is here, and I think they really benefited from that. Well, people often also say like the NBA is a star-driven league. Well, you don't think fucking NFL is? Tom Brady's been on the Patriots for twenty years. How long has Aaron Rodgers been on the Green Bay Packers? How will Russell Wilson more than likely retire a Seattle Seahawk? Think about that. Like Roethlisberger. I, I went to get these fish tacos, number one taco truck in Hawaii. She was wearing a Roethlisberger jersey. You, you couldn't – Kyrie jersey you're going to wear. Nets, Celtics, will we, we be on the Nets in two years? Probably not. Like, it's will Kevin Durant retire with the Nets? Of course he fucking won't. Are you, are you saying that the market inefficiency for the Warriors is to overpay their stars to keep them just because it but, helps but see, the Lake that, of But see, that's also where I jumped the shark. They, these guys – and the Warriors are lucky. Their guys just like being here and like Bob clearly and just like each other. The money's a relevant guy because they make so much goddamn money in the NBA. Well, 
Kyrie and all these guys turned down Mac. The Warriors were offering Kevin Durant $220 million with the torn Achilles. He told them to kick rocks. He yeah, went for 100 no. The money, and that's where I think when you get these guys make so much cash and this disconnect, and they kind of talk down. At least, I'm not saying Steph does. Clay actually is the opposite. He's very, he's always saying how lucky I am. Most players, Kyrie does not talk. Kevin does not talk like that. Even LeBron. But luckily, LeBron's so good. I think we kind of look past that. People just kind of make fun of him. He's just kind of cheesy. But still, like that, that, that turns off so many sports fans. These guys make, yeah, it's, it's so hard to make money. And see, these people are constantly talking. I'm not saying that that's the driving force. No, I, I know, but factor I factor in all these things. Look, we've talked for years about when you can start making decisions based on what you want to do versus the money, then it changes the dynamic of the league, and that's part of what's happened. I think the bigger issue is not what the players say. It's just what they don't do, which is play every night. Like, that's a major problem. That's a major problem. I turn on the TV regularly, right, to watch the NBA, and you're just not getting anybody. You're not getting everybody's best. So wait a second. What's the product here? The product's one game a week or four games a week. Which is it? Yeah, it's. They, well, what they did you don't, tell they me? don't like, give a is... shit. They they just don't care. And, and and a huge reason is, is because for a long time under David Stern, the players always had power, but now they basically can just say fuck you to anyone. And that's like back to your original premise: the players having all this power is clearly hurting the league. Like it's not even arguable anymore. And it, when I say clearly having all the power, I'm talking about they don't have to. They can take off any game they want. They can just fucking leave whenever they want. Like again, that plays on Twitter. It's not playing in real life, and they are getting housed. Like no one is watching, guy. Nobody's watching. And I'm not counting the Warriors. They're kind of an outlier because they're the Warriors did do the right thing. Their players stayed. Like the league would benefit if more teams just operate like the Warriors. If Giannis could just stay. If Kevin just stayed in Oklahoma City. If these guys could just stay. That that. We're not coming back. Now, the only way we might come back is if their ratings go so far in the tank and then they can't get anyone else to rebid and then all these guys start losing a lot of cash, right? Like, so the next CBA deal is way lower because China's dropped them. The the TV rights from people domestically is much lower because it's not worth it for them to pay. Like, they could be in an NBA bubble. Now, if you're Kevin Durant and LeBron, you've benefited from that bubble, but... The prices aren't going to go up, right? If these ratings keep continuing to tank, like who's paying, who's paying the premium that they got paid last time from TNT and ESPN? It was all based on thinking the ratings didn't even need to keep going up, but it just could stay high. Then you, that's how you sell advertising. That's where all the money comes from. Yep. All the money comes from television. All of it. And that's where when Kyrie and all these guys are basically saying "fuck you," like you said, through their actions of not playing. Now Kyrie's actually hurt right now. But the way Kawhi's doing it, it's like, what, what's the point of this stuff? The players don't care. Why will I? Because I was thinking the other night on Monday Night Football, that was a war zone between those two teams. It was just like, God, this is a physical game. Like, you're just – but that game, now it was late in the season and both the teams were good. But would that game have looked much different, Guy, if that would have been week one or that would have been wild card weekend? Wouldn't it kind of look the same? Of just the effort and the and the hay, the haymakers getting thrown, that's the bit thing the NFL gets. Like I'm just watching all the games on Sunday morning. Like you're just watching Steelers Browns. Like these two teams are giving everything they got. Well, when people say you know we can't with the 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 Brown Steelers fight, we can't have that. Behind closed doors, they're saying this 
this is we can definitely have this. Now you don't want someone getting hit in the head with a helmet, but teams fighting while well, the actual physical fighting isn't good, but looking like they really really hate one another or they really really care is good for their for your sport. So you I, want football teams fighting. I, I, I think the NBA has gotten so soft in the sense that you can't really play defense anymore, so it's become a softer league. It's just all offense, and the guys are so rich. It's just everything about it's just kind of soft. I mean, there's just there's no disputing that at this point. The guys well, don't have to play. You, guys can do whatever they want. They're all making forty, fifty million. They don't think, give a shit. I think one thing that one it's become one the, the least relatable reasons, league. I think one of the many reasons for Major League Baseball to go to a robo ump. Just to me, I don't think it's not attractive for, for your sport to watch people bitch and moan, to watch players complain, to spend a lot of time complaining. And it's why it's flopping I despise and just bitching and moaning I, I despise. Now, I don't, I'm not saying this has had anything to do with ratings, but I think it's in everybody's best interest to minimize that as a sport. Football, you don't really have any time to do it, right? Like you can spend time screaming and yelling, but the play clock's running. <laughs> You're not having conversations during plays. No. Baseball and basketball are different like that. So I think football's got, football's got a lot a lot going for it kind of built into it that helps it just, just the way the itself. sport is set up it's really their greatest advantage that you can't play every day like literally the sport you just do have to take time off even they've acknowledged Thursday night games are kind of crazy but we only make you do it once a year right and then they've even flipped it like how genius is it now to take two of the Thanksgiving teams and then be like well once we get to this time of year we'll give you a week off but you're also going to play the next week on Thanksgiving so it's the like, next, you, like the, next the, the Bears and Cowboys don't yeah. really get to complain this week because they have had a normal week, right? Even though it hasn't been normal, like they. Well, I did think that I'm like I know I watch the Cowboys a lot, but shit, didn't I just see them? Well, they did this last week or last year with the Saints and the Cowboys on a Thursday night game. They they always do the Thursday night game after Thanksgiving with two Thanksgiving teams, and it's typically great. the Cowboys. It's great. Uh, all right, some headlines. Let's go. Ron Rivera? Felt, felt for my guy, Ronnie. So I met him uh, at the Combine a couple years ago. I said I was from Walnut Creek, and he stopped and talked to me. I do, oh, yeah? I, I did realize why everyone says, I mean, just salt of the earth. Because I, I don't know exactly where he's from. I'm pretty sure the East Bay, maybe Fremont. They obviously went to Cal. Just, have you ever heard anyone utter a bad word about Ron Rivera? No. Not only do they not utter bad words, they... they they're effusive in their praise. People love them. People love them. But yeah, I, you know, new you, owner. You know, I, I understand, right? It's just, it's not that crazy. Like honestly, it's probably the right move. It's just probably time for Ron to go. Do you think? Yeah, it feels a little like you would know this, like Andy Reid leaving Philadelphia on a now, much Andy lower had been there level, longer. Yeah. yeah, it had been because he is a kind of a CEO coach. That's the other thing. You know, he doesn't. He wasn't. You remember it was really hard for him to get a job, in like the yeah. mid to late two thousands. And it, one of the big talking points was like, "Is it because he's like a Mexican American, and he had to be a defensive coordinator multiple spots, even though he had like Andy Reid on his resume and all Andy's guys were getting jobs, and it was just difficult for him." And then he finally got a shot. It was like, "Fuck, coach!" I think he has more coach of the years than Belichick. He's been coach of the year twice. No, in his thank career. you. Little room service. Yeah. No, thank you. No service. No thank you. Okay, sure, thank you. I'm clean. 
<laughs> well, they they told me when I checked in, I got a thousand points if I declined service, so I didn't put the thing outside. But genius, it's all right. There's only so many towels I can use in a day. That's true. Anyway, so so Ron, I'm leaving that in the pod. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> So Ron uh, finally gets the job, and then it's successful. I mean, I do think – I know there's the issue with, like, the analytics, right, where they wanted to be very analytical forward. But Ron hung his hat on always going for it, guy. He was actually ahead of his time. Yeah, but but not because of the analytics. It was gut. It was the crowd was urging him. But what's the, dif- what's the difference? Go for it's going for it. Yeah, the difference is uh, that – uh, when you use the analytics, the owner has all the information and can share his opinions and talk on the same level with you. I think that David Tepper, I give him credit for firing a guy, and I, I watched actually this morning his like five-minute press conference with his own media guy. And he's like, the reason I did it now was simply because I was not going to contact agents or coaches while I had him employed. That's just that's fucked up. And I'm not like that. I think he is a high character. David Tepper talked to like Carnegie Mellon. I think he's viewed as a high character guy. Ron, obviously the highest character guy in the league. Then, though, when he talks, I'm going to keep Marty Herney, but I'm going to get an assistant GM. So is the assistant GM going to answer to Marty Herney? I'm going to get a COO. I'm going to demote Norv Turner, and I'm going to make Scott Turner his son because he's 37 and everyone loves a good young offensive coordinator. I'm going to let him call plays. This guy has some kind of crazy ideas. Where it's like, wait, so you're going to keep your GM and he's going to hire? Like, who's the head coach? This Dave, you got to just fire everybody. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just fire everybody. But you can't keep one guy and then have a guy under him, but him answering to you. It's like, this is not. So your first comment, you weren't going to be a dickhead and contact agents uh, uh, behind Ron Rivera's back. You, you get points for that. It's like, okay, my character move. And I think even Ron would respect that. Like, I get it whether he wants to be fired or not. But all the other shit's like, uh, I don't really like the road you're going down here, buddy. <laughs> you know? Like, your idea is to like, hey, North, let's give your son a chance to call plays. So you're obviously, you got, you got some football ideas. And you even mentioned that to me. Like, clearly you read it too. Like, this guy's got some ideas. Yeah, so. And not just ideas like, you know, we need to make our season ticket packages and sell hot dogs for free. Like, that ain't, no. He's talking like, Hey, Scott, can we run some skinny posts? Is that what he's thinking? Yeah, I think – now, we'll, we'll see who he gets. But I think there's going to be definitely a few years learning curve here for him. I don't know if it's learning curve. Well, he's been there for a couple of years. You know, it's, I know, it's, but but he's but he hasn't had the ability to really put a stamp on it. Because Ron's been doing everything. So, I think the next guy better get ready for Monday morning emails from the owner. <laughs> emails? Fucking sit-downs. So, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it's going to be like – when the football decisions are being made with analytics, then it's an easier conversation for the right. The owner doesn't have to watch the all twenty-two. There's plenty of stuff we can go over just when we're playing the percentages. Well, you do agree that's why so many coaches now go for it because their owner tells them to go for it. I won't be mad at you. Uh, I don't think it's because their owner tells them go for it. I won't be mad at you. I think it's just an easier thing. For the owner to understand. Maybe they could make the case to the owner. This is the thing to do. Here's the numbers. It's easy. I don't know if it's that the owners are telling I, them or that they're able to make Well, the- see, he, I disagree. I, I think that a lot of them innately would say punt or kick the field goal where they know now their owner, because he's tight with the analytics guys, wants them to go for it. So, like, fuck it. I'm just, I might go for it here anyway, but I know my guy wants me to go for it, and I won't get in trouble when I don't get it. 
Yeah, I guess we're probably saying the same thing. Just I, I think the chicken comes before the egg, and you're saying the egg. I'm saying I think it's good football business, and it's easy to back up to your owner versus I don't know if the owner is telling the head coach. I'm not even saying telling. I'm just saying he's supporting him. Like, I want you to go for it. The number guy's saying to go for it. In times, you're on the fence. Go for it. I think that's why Doug does it. I think that's why Harbaugh does it. Because I think their owner's like giving you them the Jeffrey thumbs up. Think Jeffrey Lurie's saying that, or you just think Howie he, Roseman's saying that? I think Jeffrey, my like Jeffrey loves analytics. That's why he hires Howie and Joe. They love the numbers. I'm just saying, I think the the direction of of communication might be going the other direction. Like, hey, this is why we're doing this, and the owner's like, oh, all right, I love it. As opposed to the owner having the numbers first, saying, hey, here's what you should be doing. I just think like in those two instances, like Bashkati and Jeffrey are around a lot and around just the coach. They've known those guys for a long time. It's not even like a contentious. It's just like, I want you to go for it. You know, when they're just talking about big picture stuff. Again, you're the owner. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Right? Right. I'm paying everybody. I want you to go for twos. Because, hell, if I, if I own an NFL team, I might just say some outrageous shit. I want you to do this. Yeah. Could be. I think now, at minimum, it's that it's it's easily def- – my point is, either whoever's saying it to who, it's just easily defensible when the numbers back it up. Because that's the one thing they're all – You're not getting understand. fired for it. No. It's like, hey, man, this is why we're doing this. Especially with Tepper, who's a numbers guy. But, like, I would say, the like, the Pirates hired – I think they just hired an assistant GM from the Blue Jays. And I saw, like, when they, they hired Ben Charrington, they don't have a manager yet. They hadn't – it took them a while to fire the previous GM – and they asked the owner, like, why did it take so long? The season ended. Why did it take you, like, a month, basically, or three weeks to fire the pre- previous guy? And the answer was, well, because we just have a hierarchy here. I wasn't going to fire the GM. I needed a new president. So I had to hire the president. And then, and then the president was going to be there to fire the GM and hire a new GM. And I'm not going to hire an assistant GM or head coach until I have the GM in place. Like, there is a clear – I don't know if they're a good organization. So it made sense, though, once all the moves happened. Yeah, because people are like, why would you wait three weeks to fire a guy? And then it's like, because I needed a president first. I was gonna, there's going to be a clear hierarchy in how this works. To your point, it just might. Now, clearly, Tepper's a high-level guy and bald brotherhood now, right? He's all in, seems like. He might be the highest level of all the bald brotherhoods. Yeah. He's worth like $15 billion. <laughs> So So maybe, you know, maybe Robert Sala is going to make a lot of sense there. I don't know. He's one of those guys you're like, you know— Ideally, I would like to be a little skinnier than him, but if you're worth $15 billion and you're that bald and you don't look that great, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's one of those guys, you know, I, I wouldn't hang my hat. Like, like he's not the guys that we put near the top of just a look standpoint, but just in terms of the resume standpoint, he might be near the top. It's, this is a really interesting hire. I Now, the Trump card could be he can cut an enormous check. Right, he could get like, what if he gave Lincoln Riley 150 million? I'm just saying, like, he could get outrageous. Right now, usually you'd say super smart people are, you know, don't just throw away money. But like, Lake Lakeham falls into that, and he's always really aggressive with money because he knows to get things you got to pay for it. So he might to get a really good coach, he might pay top dollar. But is he going to want the guy that has a clear idea of all the things he wants to do and will only take the job that gives him what he needs? Like, what if he offered Dabo Sweeney $15 million a year, let's say? Would that win him the press conference? Not even just the press conference, but it would be like, whoa. 
Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, would you be shocked Dabble if Dabble Sweeney, Sweeney was his coach? Yeah, I would be. If you're Dabo Sweeney, you know exactly how you run your operation, right? Yeah, but what if this guy lets you do it? Like, this is the highest level. Well, yeah, but, that, but that's what I'm saying is, is this guy letting the first coach he hires do it his way? But you that's always where, know they tell you that, and then they don't. But yeah, they tell you I'm that. just saying this, to me, doesn't feel like that's the kind of guy he hires. Here, here's the thing, though. Like, why even, like, the Dabos and Lincoln? This feels like a Steve Kerr hire. But th- those guys are already making. So even if you give him 15, I think Dabo would say, listen, not in my wildest dreams did I ever think I'd make $9 million a year. I have more money in the bank than I could have written on a piece of paper 10 years ago. Like, so you add an extra millions. Like, is that nothing. my life is my life now. And this is what, back in the day, like, a college coach might have been making eight hundred grand, and an NFL team could pay him, like, quadruple. It was like, whoa, you got to leave. Like, these guys make so much cash, and they're not, like, Dabo's not uh, driven by money. So, I'm now countering my argument. I, I don't wonder if it's even harder now to get these guys to, like, so what, you're going to pay me $20 million a year? Like, what is that? I'm, I'm already making ten. you know? But I, that's usually not how humans think. Who knows? I, I just could see that. Like, that would be a guy who's in that region... Right, they would. He mm-hmm. would get a lot of credit. He would, like I say, my. I I I hadn't even thought about that till we just started talking about this, and that was just a name that kind of jumped into my mind. It, yeah, it's interesting. I just don't know if a guy with a ton of leverage is the first coach that ends up coaching the Carolina Panthers under David Tepper. Well, who's he going to get, guy? I don't know, but I think he's going to want to go. I met now outside the box. Like Dabo would fit that. Dabo would fit outside the box. That would be pretty cool. I'd sign up for that. Because if you're Dabble, you're Dabble to stay at Clemson. But you're already so good that you could now then jump back to like Alabama or LSU whenever they need you. It right? would be the easy transition, right? Because you, you are great. Like if you're saving, the- you can't really go LSU to Alabama. LSU wouldn't love They'd be like, no, we'll just pay you, dude. But you can go LSU to Miami to Alabama. Yeah, and Alabama didn't even care what Miami looked like, right? Because they'd already seen them at LSU and they knew it worked. And that's what Dabo's... Dabo's even more credible than Saban was when Alabama hired him, right? Like it was a big deal when Alabama hired Saban, but if let's say Dabo went to Carolina and failed three years, and then Alabama and Saban then retired, and then Alabama went to get him, they would get way more credit getting Dabo. They'd be like, "This guy's won multiple national championships and been in the playoffs like seven times." It'd be a no-brainer. But again, I I, I don't necessarily think he's going to leave. But I, when you see Dabo rant, this is why I think because I watched that rant the other day. Mm-hmm. And a little like Peterson at Boise, where you just start going, what else can I do? We win all the time. People kind of talk shit. We don't play anybody. We try to schedule people. No one will play us. It's not my fault. My conference sucks. Like, fucking tell Miami and Florida State to figure their shit out. We want them to be good so we can beat their ass, too. You know? I, I wonder if your Dabo, it's like a higher level than Peterson was at Boise. Part of the reason he left is like, can't please everybody. This is insane. Now, I, the difference is the Boise people were on Pete, kind of. Like, it was never good enough for them. I think it is good enough for the Clemson people. So, it's like, internally, he's more getting mad at the national people, right? Than he is, like, at his Clemson boosters. Like, I don't think the, anyone around Clemson is... Yeah, his issue thrilled. is not internal. Yeah. So, when it's not internal, you you're, you love working every day. Where I think Pete was like, you guys are complaining? We had one year at 8-4 at Boise? Shut the fuck up. So, that, that, that is a different variable there. Um... 
It's a fascinating job, man. And then Cam pushed his foot surgery back. I, the Panthers are really interesting. And then Ron is interesting. Like, I, I, are the, is Anthony Lynn going to be back? No. The guy that's 4 and 8. So, like, to me, Ron Rivera would make a ton of sense for the Chargers. He's coached there before, too, so he knows the Spanoses. And just L.A. and, you know, just thinking about First of all, he's a really good coach. Um, I think if you're the Chargers, you go, how do we – is there any part of this market we can, we can try to make ours? It's like, well – what about the Spanish-speaking part of the market? Whoa, um, guy, that that's fucking genius. But I also think he's just you would hire him on the basis of being a really good football coach. He coached there in 07. He, actually, he coached there from 07 to he 10. Kinda he kind of feels to me just like what they need. Now, if you're him, you're like, well, what, the, what they need is a quarterback. Do I really don't want to go somewhere that's a yeah, little more Yeah, but the roster's good. I, I, yeah. I think that would make some sense. That would be a pretty big hit. You know, like, open up, speaking a little Espanol. I think you check every box. (laughs) Whoa, that would be like, I'd I'd be rooting for the Chargers. Uh, God, the the thing is, he was making like seven, eight million. That's okay. So, okay, Dean, are you going to cut Ron Rivera a check? Because you would get a little credit for that, right? You finally got a guy that has some experience and knows what the fuck he's doing, who's a credible NFL coach. But Ron Rivera probably would have some other options. Maybe the Giants, maybe the Browns would kind of sniff around. But these are not; these are all flawed places. But yeah, but most open jobs are. Besides, maybe like yeah. the Cowboys. That let's say the Cowboys are interested. Like again, would Dean Spanos? Because I think Ron. If I'm Ron, I'd rather be. In, I'd rather coach. Did I say San Diego earlier? I probably did. I'd rather coach the Chargers than I than the Browns. Do you see the Chargers paying eight nine million dollars for? That's the problem. No. So, but they, they're only paying a dollar in rent, so maybe they can spend that money somewhere else. <laughs> that is true. How do you think he sends that check, money order? Pennies, a hundred pennies, a hundred pennies. Can you imagine if he did? I that? would mail it across the hall, but you'd let it go through the mail system. A hundred pennies. What do you think? Well, Cron- what do you think Cronky would, would do if a hundred pennies showed up? He wouldn't mail a hundred pennies because the shipping would be expensive because it's so heavy. That's true. Just put a dollar bill in there and then like thanks for t- and just write 2020 on a, a white sticky piece note, of paper. just like a sticky note. <laughs> 2020, a year from today you'll get another one. There's no way that dollar gets deposited, right? Or does it out of principle? Uh, if I was Cronky, I would hate them so much. I, I I would look at Dean being like, "How much do I have to pay you to go away right now? I will cut you a check on the spot. Give me your number." And if that number is probably anywhere like under 500 million, I'd cut the check. Well, it's like I, I will pay the, for your number, relocation fee. Just fucking leave, John. He's paying a dollar of rent in Los Angeles. Like it's the number to top that value. It's pretty hard to top. Yeah, that's. But he, but he doesn't. But he's so like Cronky's at the point where, like, I get an extra room in my place. I technically could probably rent it out for a thousand dollars. That money that I don't make for rent is more valuable than me to have it the space open to myself and never having to see another human that I would not want to see for whatever rent money it would take. And the Cronky is on an infinitely higher level. We're talking numbers, rent. He does not want anyone else to be in there. That sucks. It what really a, sucks. What a disaster. It really sucks. Last you, like, one before I go home, eat. But somehow, before, you're, but somehow you're stuck to like you've got to, you buy a new home, but you got somebody living in the guest house that you, the law won't let you kick them uh, out. That has to be miserable. Unless, unless your nephew moves in. I got a, I got a pretty good one. Before okay. lunchtime, I'm pretty hungry. Eli Manning, and I think you said it like, we haven't seen the last of Eli Manning. He's back, guy. When did I say that? It must have, must have been a long time ago. Well, I think it was like when they named him to be the first, you know, like his first start, yeah. maybe the yeah, Tampa yeah, yeah. week. Now, I didn't even know he got hurt. I just saw, like, I kind of woke up, come to, was like checking Twitter, 
and just thought, wow, we just saw Daniel Jones limping around in a boot. Maybe this was yesterday. Maybe it was today. I don't even remember. But then you're just like, well, if he's in a boot, Eli's back. He's the starter. Eli Manning's going to get some more starts. Like just, now as he started, Johnny, starting on Monday Night Football against the Eagles. And that was the other thing. I didn't even know. Okay, maybe that's why that that game's on Monday Night. What a weird Monday Night game. Do you want to take the Giants plus nine and a half in that one? Uh, well, I mean, the Eagles haven't been playing. Where's the game? Philly? Philly. Couldn't you see Eli just one last rodeo, yes. win him a game? Would that be a pretty cool moment? Eli gets a win Monday Night Football against the Eagles in does Philly? He, if that happens, does he start if Daniel Jones is healthy the next week? I, usually when you're in a walking boot and you're a skill position guy, that's a game or two. Like, is, Are yeah. we sure Daniel Jones plays another game this year? No. I mean, they finish, they play uh, that game, then they play Miami at home, then they play at Washington, then they play Philly at home. I mean, who? like Eli could go out with like, I don't know, 10 touchdowns, three picks. You know what the NFL did right there? They were just praying to God the Giants were serviceable and the Eagles were like a Super Bowl contender and they could use some of those games down the stretch to get some huge television ratings. Instead, the Eagles are putrid 5-7, and seven, and the Giants, it feels like they have zero wins. They must have a couple. They're terrible. They have two. <laughs> That's That did not work out as planned. Because in fairness to them, on paper, you've been like, well, the Giants are a little bit better this year and the Eagles are loaded. This is not a terrible Monday night game, right? It couldn't have gone – it literally couldn't have gone much worse. Because it's hard for the Eagles. At one point. It's hard for the Eagles to be worse than 5-7. and seven. Yeah. Because their 5-7 and seven feels like three or four wins, doesn't it? It does. And the Giants feel winless. Yeah, Gi- it does, the Giants yeah. stink. <laughs> stink. That would be another thing, though. Like if you're Pat Shermer, I was texting with a media guy that wanted some help with something on the Giants, and I had to tell him, like, bro, I, I honestly, I the question he asked, I'm like, yeah, I don't dive that deep anymore. I don't even, I don't know. It was about a player, and I said, what's the deal? Like, what? He's like, well, I've heard they do like Jason Garrett. And I was like, well, I kind of understand that. I can see where you're the Giants. You're like, he's buttoned up. He has experience. He's made the playoffs. Ivy League guy. Understands the division. It's not really that crazy. He actually can handle like, like a, can handle just you know, crazy media situations. Yeah, he's like a poor, poor man's Tom Coughlin. And then they're like, but I could see them liking Ron Rivera too. Very similar, serious, you know, has been in the division, had coaching experience. And now he actually might trump Jason Garrett because you'd be like, well, he's probably a little bit better of a coach. People won't hate the hires. Like, they will hate the Jason Garrett hire. You can't hire Jason Garrett if you're the Giants. I, I guess somebody tweeted, and let alone we can go eat, but Ron said something about how, like, every dramatic incident there's been in Carolina, Ron Rivera's been kind of the face of it. Because right? no, he's been the guy that said. Because Jerry wouldn't talk and Gettleman wouldn't talk. Well, it's like, this is where I think it could just get a little weird for a couple years as Tepper figures it out there. There could be a lot of people talking, or just him. Maybe is he going to start talking all the time? Like, you know, I told Coach, 47% success rate, you know, we got to be a little better than that. Like a little Jerry Jones vibe to him? Is he going to be in the booth? There's going to be a shot of him putting up two fingers when they're like, when they score in the second quarter. Like, two fingers, go for two, go for two. You're right. I Coach with a headset on? They're, they're, the elephant in the room, though, with that, Frank, they don't have a quarterback. And here's the problem with yeah. the Giants. Like, what if you hate Daniel Jones? Would you, because the number one thing you would be like, well, can I trade Daniel Jones? Right? I don't want this guy. I don't want to coach Daniel Jones. Like you said with the Chargers, you could always franchise Rivers, but you might not want Rivers, but you still don't have a quarterback. What if you don't like Dwayne Haskins? Most of these jobs are going to be pretty shitty, guy. 
I think the Chargers will be in a position to draft. Like some of these game, these teams that will be in a position to draft a guy, right? True. But the Giants can't. Gettleman's not doing that. Unless he's fired. <laughs> yeah. What a mess. Disaster. Later. Adios. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.